Welcome to the T-Hood Podcast. I'm Moby. I'm Leland Steele. And I'm Brayden Morris Purdy. Yes, uh, listener, this is awesome. We have had another guest that has not yet uh, blacklisted us or put a restraining order on us. Uh, and in fact, wants to return. So this is good news. Isn't that right, Leland? <laughs> yes. how, how many restraining orders are on you? <laughs> oh, boy. Do you have an extra hand or two to count? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe coronavirus will help me grow another hand. You never know. Any symptom oh, is geez. possible. It, it might mutate. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. So, so welcome back, uh, Brayden. Thanks for having me. Y- you're welcome. Um, it's really interesting. You know, I was looking for a guest uh, for this episode, and it was a guest that um, I wanted who was involved in the film industry, uh, specifically to talk about where Hollywood is right now um, and where it might mm-hmm. go. And so, you know, you and I used to text probably a couple times per week. And, you know, I, I don't want to say fell out of touch, but, you know, it's just been crazy and we've all been doing our own stuff. And uh, suddenly I pop pops up an email. Hey, I'm not super busy. You know, and I'm like, Braden, this is perfect timing. So plugged <laughs> you right in. Well, I'm glad it all worked out. It did, and uh, it, which is great. And listener, um, because of Braden, he actually invited me to my first ever movie premiere, uh, which was a really um, special experience. It was a surreal experience, Braden, I have to confess, because what happened was I was one of the first people there because I was super excited and didn't want to be late. And uh, you guys came pretty quick after. And I cannot describe how weird it is to like we were standing in a circle just chatting, just shooting the shit. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it's like picture time for you in the cast. And yeah. you know, you're all <laughs> you're all getting your pictures taken, like professional photographer. And I'm kind of feeling like Cinderella whose foot doesn't fit in the shoe. I'm just like looking, gawking. Really <laughs> really nice theater. <laughs> but the, the the craziest thing. I think I can call him your lead actor, the uh, the antagonist uh, played by Stephen Roberts. Correct, yeah. It was crazy to like stand in the circle and talk with this guy. And Stephen, I don't know how he is, how you know him, but he was pretty quiet um, in the group. And right. suddenly the lights dim and the screen goes on. And this guy is like a vicious psychopathic murderer that I watched for an hour and a half or whatever it was. <laughs> and then... Right after, because it was a small theater, is, you know, quiet Stephen Roberts and he gets up there and he's up there with you and we all clap. And I'm like, like, does this dude have an ice pick on him? Like, do I just need to wave to Braden and run out the door? <laughs> it's, it's, it scared the shit out of me because, you know, I think even though I'm, I'm someone who used to, to act, you know, just in school plays and shit like that, that doesn't really matter. Um, and I li- love to watch a lot of movies. I've never really met actors outside of their movie. And I've never met actors right before and after their movie, especially when they right. play that kind of role. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Interested in your comments about that uh, premiere. Was it all kind of you hoped it would be? or? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a, a dream come true for sure to to not only premiere it locally um but also in such a nice theater and um it's always a dream come true to watch your your first feature in a, in a movie theater so it was it was great to have the whole or most of the the casting crew 
um, and uh, some other family and friends, including yourself there. So yeah, it was it was a great day and an awesome experience. And I'm glad you got to come and enjoy it. And it's funny to hear your perspective on it too, because I guess <laughs> I, I knew I know Stephen and know the cast and crew for quite some time now. So it's just kind of seeing someone you know at that point. But I guess from an outside perspective and seeing his what kind of character he is, and then seeing him in person are totally two different people. Like Stephen, Stephen and I became really good friends while filming, and then outside of filming, and and he's such a a nice guy and very calm and collected and funny and outgoing and. Um, so it's funny to see the contrast of him in person and then on screen. So, um, I'm sure it was a weird feeling for sure. Yeah, <laughs> it was. And I, I think that's a testament to, uh, to the job that he did because his, oh yeah, yeah, his, his performance was awesome. All the performances were great. And, you know, I swear nobody will hear me say otherwise, you know, on podcast or off or anywhere. I honestly really enjoyed the film. I, I thought it was a really good psychological horror. I thought the acting and directing was was on point. Thank you, thank you. All, all around. And, you know, I think the the best compliment I could give for it is that legitimately, say, had I stumbled across it on YouTube as like one of their, you know, three ninety nine rentals or whatever you can do nowadays, I, I probably, yeah, I, I for sure would have bought it just to support um, independent filmmaking because I thought it was uh, good. And certainly if you ever, you know, when it gets out of the... um, A festival run? Yes, that's it, the festival run. When it gets out Mm -hmm. of the festival run, uh, if it's released on Blu-ray or digital, you know, you've got your first customer right here. And I know Leland would want to watch it too and and enjoy it. So, Yeah, absolutely. I was really, really bummed that I couldn't make the premiere. I think I had a a prior recording engagement. Oh uh, yeah, I was so fucking bummed that I, oh, I couldn't yeah. make it, and I, yeah, I'm very excited uh, to see the movie. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I'll keep you guys posted for sure. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, so you know, just standing this off, um, I, I don't actually think I've mentioned the name of the film in all this uh, uh, praise just yet, but uh, it's Beyond the Woods. Uh, you can look it up. It's on IMDb. I I looked it up uh, actually yesterday, wondering if some trivia or something had been uploaded. So Beyond the Woods by yes. Braden Demore's Purdy. So take a look for it. Yes, sir. Uh, so uh, yeah, let's move on into our banter segment here. And uh, Leland, you're the king of preparation. Do you have anything prepared today? Uh yeah. Uh, so I I recently reactivated my netflix subscription it took finally about a, a month and a bit into quarantine that i finally broke and wow. <laughs> and as as predicted i uh have been seriously slacking the last about four days in which i've had it i've just been doing nothing <laughs> nothing but f- doing fuck all on the couch watching and catching up on all this netflix shit but uh, one of the things I watched was uh, Escape Room. Oh, okay. Uh, this horror movie, and it was fuck. It was terrible. It was so <laughs> bad. The writing was the writing was just awful. The characters were fucking insufferable, and obviously, very clearly, they were they were written to be insufferable. Right. But like the dialogue was so bad in that movie. Oh my god. Oh. So I don't think this is the 2019 Escape Room movie. And I was trying to look it up because I thought I think it was from 2016, this particular one, but I can't find it. Oh, 2017. Okay. And then there's another one 
from 2019 with the same name. So right. it's not the 2019 version. Okay. I've not seen that one. So I don't know what that one's like. But man, oh man, was it a terrible movie. And like, it didn't even make sense. <laughs> the The rules of it like didn't make sense. I was confused. And like, I don't know. <laughs> it was just fucking shit. So avoid it. Don't watch it. Like literally don't even waste your time. There were a couple okay kills. That's about it, right? Like, like the typical like cool over the top shit movie <laughs> yeah a hundred percent hundred percent i just love when they're talking in, in some of the dog it's like yeah escape rooms is cool new underground thing <laughs> like <laughs> i guess maybe when it i possibly when it came out it, it was maybe obviously yeah. more underground than they are now but <laughs> it was just funny hearing that dialogue in 2020 where like everybody has been on fucking escape <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> well you know leland i want to ask you have a choice you have to watch escape room or you have to play one of those frigging escape room in a boxes that you have which is worse oh i would rather play play like uh exit or unlock for sure yeah i would definitely rather play one the movie was just like it was there wasn't really anything redeeming to it and they tried their hardest to to write it to be interesting watching people fumble through things that they already know the answer to right because obviously they've read the script so it's like you're hearing them try to pretend that they don't know and like you're you're watching them pretend that they are stumbling into solving so these clues in these rooms and i don't know it was just like it didn't work <laughs> it just just didn't it didn't fucking work <laughs> all right well put put that one on the uh movie naughty list uh brayden did you bring anything new uh that you wanted to discuss I have I have some stuff, but talking about a movie that you're super disappointed in, I just watched um, The Little Hours with Dave Franco and Alison Brie, and oh my god, was I disappointed in that film, like, so disappointed. Like, it had some laugh-out-loud moments, and it was very, like, I don't know, it just, it didn't, it was very flat, like, it was so linear, and nothing happens, and you're just, like, you sit there, there's no, like development for characters or development of story and it's just so dry and like maybe maybe it's just not my thing but it just it just i was so disappointed after and i just i when you were talking about escape room i was like oh i that's exactly how i felt with this film <laughs> yeah totally it's such a good cast in that movie too. yeah such a good cast john c Riley's in it oh man you fucked up a movie you fucked up a movie with with john c Riley. Dave Franco and Allison Brie. I mean, come on, that's that's yeah, nice. yeah. Aubrey Plaza, oh. yeah. Molly Shannon, yeah. like oh, got oh a really my. good cast. Yeah, it's a really good. It had cast. a lot of potential. Oh jeez, that sucks. Uh, yeah, it, it, I totally agree. That one really falls flat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you've seen it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. On the subject of movies, one I want to bring up is Taika Ytt announced yesterday. Of course, on May the fourth, Star Wars Day. Like, even at work, at our meeting, they, they ended it saying, may the fourth be with you, which is nuts. From where, if you knew where I work, it's like not that kind of place. But uh, yeah, Taika Waititi uh, of, well, many movies fame, Jojo Rabbit, of course, uh, Thor Ragnarok. He's going to direct a Star Wars film. Wondering uh, your boys' thoughts on that. Braden, what about you as director? What do you think of him as director for Star Wars? Well, it's funny you bring that up because that was what was actually on my list before <laughs> I brought up the little hours. I'm a huge, 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 huge Star Wars fan. So uh, anything Star Wars related, I'm just all for. I won't 
I won't say that I'm the biggest fan of certain things that Disney's done with certain <laughs> Star Wars things, but I'm I'm really pumped that he's he's on it. I think I'm a huge fan of the Ma- Mandalorian series that uh, they've done. Right. And uh, he was the director of the final episode in that, I believe. Yes. Yes. And I also I'm a huge Marvel fan, and I was never really a fan of the Thor movies to be honest. But then when he came on for Thor Ragnarok, I really enjoyed it. Um, so I'm hoping. He will kind of take what he's done with Mandalorian and what he's done with these bigger franchises and kind of give it that spark that maybe Disney has taken away from Star Wars <laughs> recently. Um, so I, I have high hopes for what he'll do with it. And uh, I think his his style will translate well to, to Star Wars for sure. Yeah, I agree. And I, I would make two points on him as director. Uh, number one, it's interesting that um, I forget the name of the directors and I should have looked them up. The guys that made the Lego movie that were originally contracted to direct Solo. It's two guys. Was one. They also did like 21 Jump Street, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those guys. Was it Miller and something? Oh. Ah, his name is escaping me. Yeah. It, it escapes me as well, but... Um, so those guys were were let go or mutually left Solo's production due to creative differences. But at the right. time, at the time, what was the rumor was they were trying to turn it into a comedy that was ad-libbing too much. And if anybody is a master of comedy and ad-libbing with natural dialogue, I would say that's Taika Waititi. So I thought that was pretty uh, just an interesting observation. That's interesting. Those directors were Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. And Chris Miller, there you go. I think that it's, I mean, it's obviously the smartest thing that they could have done for Star Wars right now, right? Like, everyone, everybody digs Ragnarok. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, yeah. and it was a space movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> we get, <laughs> we're going to get an 80s vibe Star Wars space movie? I mean, I can get on board with yeah, that. Yeah, me too. And Braden brought up another really good point I want to touch on. Uh, Leland, you haven't seen it yet, but um, Taika Waititi directed the season finale of um, The Mandalorian. Yeah, I've I've seen The Mandalorian. Oh, you've seen it. Okay. So you're full of surprises, my friend. We we talked about it on the podcast when I did. That's before I gave up drinking, my friend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so I, my memory was fried. Uh, but he directed the final episode. It was really good. Um, I don't want to spoil anything, but my concern and this, you know, I'm saying this to both you guys uh, was I, I didn't know how well YTT could direct science fiction, Star Wars style action. And that episode proved it to me. I'm like, yes, he's good. He's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I have high hopes. I'm excited. And it was good news yesterday to hear that. So, well, um, we uh, it feels like like they, you know, people have been wanting Star Wars movies away from the Skywalkers for, you know, since this trilogy that just dropped, dropped, right? Like, so are we finally going to get it? (laughs) I think, I hope so. I hope so. Right. And people, I think people will be happy with it. Yeah. Or at least some, I mean, it doesn't matter who you're going to get directing. No one's going to be, not everyone's going to be happy. (laughs) Exactly. You're going to have a divided fan base regardless. That's, that's just the staple in which the Star Wars fan base seems to stand themselves on. So, yeah. Just, just gotta enjoy it for what it is. Uh, exactly. You're damned, damned if you do. You're damned if you don't with those fucking movies. Exactly. Leland, do you have a second banter? Not really. I mean, it kind of ties in with our video game variety show segment. I've just been playing a lot more video games lately, and I can talk about that when we get to it. Sweet. Braden, do you have anything else you brought? Uh, I was just gonna. Mine kind of also ties into video games a bit, but mine was just uh, that The Last of Us 
2 trailer apparently is dropping tomorrow or a, a new teaser is dropping tomorrow regarding that game so ah the last of us teaser leland did you ever play that i didn't play it yeah 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 um i think the last of us is uh an incredibly overrated game and sony has made a fuck ton of money off of it and will continue to do so with last of us part two (laughs) (laughs) but i i will definitely play parts two i am interested in it i think it it looks like the 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 gameplay is all I've always found pretty fun, and I don't really know what my beef with it is. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, I irrationally fucking hate things all the time. You do. You definitely do. Like, you will be getting, you will be buying a PS7, and you'll still get a digital copy of The Last of Us on it, because that's what Sony fucking does. <laughs> you can't buy any Sony product and not get a digital copy of The Last of Us. So. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> Yeah, the last banter I've got that we'll end with is something, as the Screen Rant headline said, both the most shocking and also most predictable thing ever. Uh, Tom Cruise and Elon Musk are teaming up to do a space movie filmed in space with Tom Cruise. Did you hear about that, Braden? Yep. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I, I debated you... <laughs> I debated to even bring it up in this conversation because I also read the same headline where it was like the most predictable and most surprising news at the same time. And I was like, it is Tom Cruise. So like, am I really surprised? No, but it's freaking cool. <laughs> I mean, the guy has already fist fought a shark on the top of the Eiffel Tower. What more is there left to do? You know, <laughs> like... He's he's done everything. He's his own stunt person. He does more stunts than stunt people do. There's nowhere left to go. It's like when James Bond went to space in Moonraker in like 1976 or whatever it was. (laughs) Like there's nothing else for Bond to do except to go up in space. Same with Tom Cruise. Yeah. So that's that's how every franchise dies. (laughs) Yeah. It's where every franchise goes to die is in space. And then every PlayStation 7 will have a Mission Impossible 20 copy with it too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because your ps7 will also take you to the moon so <laughs> with elon musk <laughs> yeah okay what if elon musk does the last of us in a space station with tom cruise <laughs> <laughs> you, you clearly have never played the last of us. <laughs> i have not ever so i know i said something extremely incongruent with this uh with this series but uh, oh boy yeah it is ridiculous um i think that headline sums it up so well yeah. i don't know what this is there any other details on what this movie will even look like no no i think they photoshopped a picture of tom cruise from like mission impossible 2 where he's motorcycle riding except they put him in like a space capsule so it looks like you know he's shooting really fast into space at least that's how i remember the picture i saw but uh, yeah, we'll we'll just see when it happens. I mean, Elon Musk has got his own shit going on right now, selling all his houses. Uh, Leland, I sent you that link yesterday. He he did actually list his houses today for sale. Really? The same day uh, that uh, he had his kid XZEA12 Musk, which <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say. That's the name of his kid there, Braden. I look it up. It's like X X Z. It's like some sort of Greek like symbol. X Z 
E hyphen 12 musk. Uh, okay. Um. <laughs> so we've obviously, we probably just don't know how to say it properly. It must, you must, it must have a pronunciation <laughs> that seems like a viable name at the very least. And why is he selling all his houses? I, I don't know. Don't ask me to explain Elon Musk. He's psychotic. <laughs> like, he said, I'm selling all my houses and Tesla stock is too high, in which Tesla stock immediately crashed close to 10%, pissing off a number of investors. <laughs> and it's like, oh, why man. would you say your wow. own company is overvalued in a tweet? Yeah, what an idiot. What is, what is, that is so bizarre. He's such a weird he, man. He is extraordinarily strange, but Ugh. also endearing. So uh, take oh. take us from strange, <laughs> yes, <laughs> strange to escapism. Here. Here, Leland. <laughs> Let's move on to the video game variety show. Ooh. Yay! Uh, we're I mean we're kind of just gonna be discussing like we will in both segments of this episode. The motif is just how coronavirus is affecting our personally our video game consumption. Yep. I know I'm playing a buttload more. Than I have in like the last like six months, so much more. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess Leland, let's start with you. Uh, what have you been playing? Like, what are you playing that you don't think you would be playing if it weren't for lockdown? Perhaps. Uh Minecraft. I started playing Minecraft. I've never played Minecraft a day in my life until like three days ago. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. And then it is. So we. I mean, we have a further point near the end of our conversation. Is kind of recommending games for lockdown. I'm going to jump to that right now. I'll just recommend Minecraft for lockdown because I found it so incredibly relaxing. Mm. I don't I don't get why. I just like zoned right out just like, you know, hitting things with an axe, just deconstructing one block and moving a block somewhere else. <laughs> like I don't know why I don't know why it's so relaxing. I mean, I I never really knew the appeal of this game and you like it always sounds like something I should like too. Just kind of this this world builder, this weird, weird thing. I mean, I, I like games like that, and I don't know. Yeah, I I'm re- I really dug it, and I played it for like two days straight. I haven't played it since though, so I I might just be done with it. I don't mm. know. <laughs> I have yet to really revisit it. Um, might I ask what you're building in it right now, or built so far? Oh, I just built a house. I got a farm. I got some animals fenced in. I feel I spent an entire day deconstructing a mountain to fill in a sinkhole in front of my property so it was all level (laughs) like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tiles that i had to place in this fucking valley like stupidest thing ever it's it's so stupid like i've done nothing (laughs) that's quarantine (laughs) it's it's good to know that outside of playing stardew valley with us uh you know having a farm and feeding cows and building a house that you found an escape to make a farm and feed cows. <laughs> Feel those, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I, and and true to form, I am playing it on the hardest difficulty on survival mode. So even on that mode, I find finding it relaxing. Living so, on the edge. Well, before I played, I was watching, and before I got Netflix, I was I found myself watching a bunch of Minecraft videos, and I'm like, hmm, I think I actually already own this, and I did. I just had to re-download it on my PS4, and I started playing it. Nice. Very interesting. There's a lot more depth to this game than you might think at surface level. Uh, Brayden, how about you? What are you playing? I know that like the last time we all had a chat, I brought up I was we were talking about stealth games, and I brought up Sly Cooper, and I don't remember if 
I was already replaying the trilogy or the franchise, I guess, because of the, of the fourth installment now, or if this is the reason that got me to do that. But since our last conversation, I actually have been going through one by one all of the Sly Cooper games uh, on PlayStation 3. Nice. I just beat the fourth one, but I'm now going back through it and trying to platinum it. And it's there's so much stuff I have to do to platinum the game. Like, it's ridiculous stuff. Like, I have to go back and, like, do a level and not lose any health just to get platinum. So I'm working on that right now uh, in my free time. And then I'm also going back and trying to platinum some other PlayStation titles like Marvel Spider-Man and uh, Borderlands 3 Outer Worlds I'm kind of getting into a little bit. Oh, yeah. And then I just recently kind of connected with all my old high school friends, and we've been playing a lot of uh, GTA Five online together as a, <laughs> a good way out of this current reality. So it's a good way to stay connected while you're doing a heist with your old high school friends. So Exactly. <laughs> ain't, no, yeah. ain't no cop going to keep you uh, six feet apart on that game. You know, there ain't no social distance when you're hitting someone with a pipe. So oh, That's awesome. Yeah, you know, online gaming, co-op gaming... It's honestly keeping keeping me sane. Um, yeah. For my end, I mean, the, the big thing, and I kind of lucked out because I just on a whim uh, several weeks, maybe three, four weeks before the shit hit the fan with the whole lockdown, I pre-ordered a physical copy of uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons for the Nintendo Switch. You must have got one of the last ones in the entire world. Yeah. <laughs> as far as physical copies go. <laughs> that game is so huge and like almost all my family is on it yeah pretty much all my family except my dad is on it and it's the weirdest thing because my brother was going to get married in july and that's canceled but i hadn't met his fiance's family yet and now like six of them are friends on animal crossing like best friends so they can visit any time and it's like so i met them on animal crossing beforehand and there's like one of them is like my uh, my future sister-in-law's six-year-old niece and she just comes to my island and she just follows me wherever i go and when i stop she just stands there creepily staring at me with those gigantic animal crossing <laughs> eyes and she'll wait like 20 seconds for me to move and i'm like are you a ghost are you are you gonna like shank me for my bells which is your money i'm like girl just go fishing go go mine my rocks or something but she just like follows me everywhere and i can't be mean to her because i know she's six and i've never even met her in real life so i can't be like ria go away <laughs> such a quarantine problem <laughs> such quarantine first world problem but it's it's fun to like you know i went to my uh no i went to my sister-in-law's island and she had like all her well she had two of her nieces there and she had like set up like some tea party and she and so we all sat down there and we just sat for like 10 seconds <laughs> our characters staring at a teacup and it suddenly dawned on me. I'm like, you are a 34 year old male. And this is why you're single because you're sitting, having virtual <laughs> tea with three girls in animal crossing. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> but, yeah, everybody's, everybody's having virtual tea now. Animal yeah. crossing. It's just crazy. I have the mute like hashtag ANCH and hashtag animal. I have to mute all that stuff on my Twitter because I can't, fucking stand seeing the post of it i just cannot take any more animal crossing content <laughs> all of which i have no idea what any of it means oh, Dude, that's yeah, the worst me part like, i have zero context i have zero no context idea. 
Yeah, my brother is obsessed with it too. Like even when we're like in the middle of a heist on GTA, he's like, "You guys want to see my island in Animal Crossing?" And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's cool. Like the stuff he has in his island is cool, but I have no idea. Like I don't play it, so I'm like, I don't understand like the concept. Like I, I have no context of. Oh yeah, you had to do all this to get that. It's better if you don't understand, you know, my brother booted up an account like a month after I started playing and you can buy turnips on Sunday mornings. And these turnips, what happens is it's different for everybody's store. You have a store where you sell shit and those turnips can go between like 20 bells. It's called each, which are dollars and about 600 is the max. Well, my brother joined the game, spent three days getting like, like properly getting like a hundred thousand bells, blew it all on turnips in three days in his island gets like bells, uh, or turnips were selling for $672 or bells each, which is insane, which is like, I haven't even heard of them that high elsewhere in the internet. So my brother three days in is like, Hey, Hey, you know, buddy, what you doing? I just earned 1.6 million and I'm like, oh yeah, that took me a whole month of hard work in like 80 hours, but uh, have a fun first three days in the game. So how, what is, what dictates the like turnip worth and stuff? Like how did, is it randomly assigned to someone's eye? Yeah, it's random. Oh, okay. So it encourages you to be with more friends with more people. Okay. And interact with more people. Again, speaking to my singleness, um, every day on Facebook, there's a group of us that tells what turnips are selling for in all our islands. And then we fly to each other's island if we think it's high enough. Yeah, I'm just going to bow my head in shame. I'm also playing Resident Evil Zero, the HD, you know, remake or remaster. Uh, yeah. So that that's a lot of fun and less embarrassing. Did you, did you give up on RE3? When we reviewed it last month, you hadn't even finished it. Giving up is the wrong answer. The correct answer is I just don't care. I, maybe I'll pick it up at some point. <laughs> I think turnips is the right answer. <laughs> That's right, Braden. That's yeah. right. You know, sooner or later, Animal Crossing is going to infect GTA Five, and you and your homeboys are going to be like, dudes, get the Uzis and shit, man. There's, there's hard turnips. Turnips are high this week. Got to break into this vault, dude. Yeah, it'll be heists for turnips and heists for bells and stuff. <laughs> it, it, like, honestly, they hit the perfect storm with that game, though, right? Oh, they like, did. Just, like, yeah. slated for the perfect time. Like, just these stars aligned for it, right? Like, yeah. who could have possibly planned that or predicted yeah. something like that to that effect at all? You good? And, of course, what, what happens as well, you sell out every Switch console that exists on the planet. They yeah. can't make them quick enough. Yeah. Yeah, my brother keeps, like, on top of him wanting to give me tours of his island, he's now pushing me to buy a Switch so I can play with him on his island. (laughs) And I'm like, there's no Switches anywhere, dude, like, at all. Yeah, I think, like, stores are, like, barely getting Switch lights in stock. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like... You know, if you were Spielberg there, Brayden, I'm sure you could afford one on the black market. But uh, maybe one day... One day... (laughs) I hear Spielberg's hoarding all the switches in his bomb shelter. That's where he is right now. <laughs> Protected by a homicidal shark in the basement, swimming around. <laughs> you ain't going to get these switches. Yeah, protected by Bruce. Bruce the shark. Oh, 
No, you know what you do? Raiders of the Lost Ark in the beginning scene. But instead of like putting a bag to replace a golden idol, it's to steal a switch and replace it with something of equal weight. <laughs> <laughs> with a turnip. <laughs> yeah, it's single turnip. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, boy. So, okay. I mean, Moby, you and I and uh, the rest of T-Hut have been playing Stardew. We have a four-player farm going right now. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's going about is what you would think. Um, my brother is currently dating all the women in the town, um, so he's been spending his time doing that. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, uh, Leland, you have a barn um, with your animals that you take care of and milk and yep. get cheese and make cheese and stuff like that. I fish, which is about the least efficient money-making activity you can do on the island. Um, but it's hard because Ghost Marty, who I now wish we were responsible for his death, given his play in Stardew Valley, um, he hoards all the money and buys all the best items. And the rest of us are begging outside of Walmart for change to buy, you know, scraps. Oh, I heard the other day that a certain somebody is only missing a single gold upgraded tool. When I have all base tools and a and an iron axe, that's as good as or a steel or whatever the hell it is, iron I think is that's as good as my shit gets. You know what, dude? When you fish the oceans dry of sockeye salmon, <laughs> then you can upgrade your tools. You can. I got mayonnaise and cheese coming out my fucking ass, feeding these chickens and milking these damn cows. Okay. <laughs> I'm biting my tongue there, man. You're leaving this so open for puns. But, uh... Yeah, well, you know what? I honestly, I do fuck all in those games. I just, I just like, flit around and... <laughs> I think there was one game that I... <laughs> that I was... Did a bunch of community center stuff. But actually, the last time we played... Like you said, it's, like... Uh, almost as this godsend. It's just the four of us actually getting to hang out. And I was just sitting there. We're all... You know, we get on Discord when we play. And I was just sitting there. I was eating crackers and hummus the last time we played. I didn't do anything. <laughs> I think I milked a cow once. And I just kind of listened and watched you guys... Flip, watch Marty... Ghost Marty haunt the mines. And <laughs> well, and, and magically we didn't notice. So... Uh... Exactly. I mean, the animals didn't die. They're still happy. So... Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> Braden, uh... You know, other than GTA V, you, you picking up any other co-op games with your buddies there? We uh we tried the uh Call of Duty Warzone for a bit, but man, after playing like three hours of that game, I remember how much I hate Call of Duty. Like, there's so many cheaters and glitches in Call of Duty that it just gets to the point of you're you're just like fuck this kind of like there's no point anymore. Yeah. Uh, and then you take like all the Fortnite players who are already like kind of in this mindset, and then you put them in Call of Duty. It was just, we just got tired of it after a while, let's just say that. Yeah. Oh, jeez, that sucks, yeah. man. So we kind of moved to uh, GTA, and we kind of just kind of kept this rhythm going. I did get into um, Doom recently. I've never, like, played Doom ever, um, but I got the 2016 version, and I love it. It's, like, super intense, and it's just super fun, and it's, like, a pretty cinematic game. Um, nice. And I'm just really enjoying it so far. But that's just solo. Try try to get your triple platinum 105% ratings that you like to get there. 
you know that's yeah, i play doom and then i go back to like sly cooper which is like this fun like everybody <laughs> game <laughs> that's like i'm trying to platinum it's, it's a lot of contrasting quite contrasting maybe one day there'll be a crossover yeah dead it but uh <laughs> sly doom <laughs> One thing I've been doing uh, just a little bit, uh, but I did get a premium membership, um, BoardGameArena.com, something Leland knows about because I've told them. A few friends of mine just said, hey, let's get a subscription. It's not that expensive and uh, we'll do some digital board games. Um, I've been playing two, uh, Hanabi, which is my favorite of the two, which is really cool. It's a game where... You know what every other player has as far as cards, and they know your cards, but you don't know your own cards. And, I mean, it's kind of an honor system game where you can't say what each other has, but you can give uh, hints. You have a limited amount of hints, so you can tell someone, like, basically what the game is, you start with the number one, and you basically have to just put stack number one, two, three, four, five, six. I think it only goes to six. Uh, only goes to five. Only goes to five. But you can't say, like, you have to try to figure out what's in your own hand by guessing what else has been played. Or people can give you a limited number of hints. They can tell you either what color cards you have in your hand with a hint or uh, what number you have. So someone can give you a hint that lets you know out of your five cards you have two ones. And then so you're like, okay, well, you know, I've got a couple ones to play. So yeah, it's it's more fun than it sounds, um, but it's cool to kind of make teamwork where you can't totally communicate with each other. Uh, it's just, it's really satisfying. And also Seven Wonders, which is a, it's a popular board game. Uh, you're building one of a different kind of ancient fantasy kind of uh, Greek or Roman era uh, civilization. Um, I don't really know what I'm doing. I came in second both times, but I was just kind of playing random shit and the game was accepting it. Uh, but I guess it was still kind of fun. But yeah, board, boardgamearena.com, I could recommend uh, if you or your okay. friends are, are board gamers. I think it's about uh, five five or $6 a month if you pay monthly. Uh, if you pay yearly, nice. I think that's okay. closer to 3 to $4 a month. So yeah, I wanted to throw that out there. No, that's awesome. I, I, I love board games and... That was something I did a lot with my friends weekly, so um, we kind of had to stop. We've been doing Jackbox games on the PlayStation to kind of fill that void, but th- this board game arena sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, you know, this kind of leads into another question, actually, for Leland. Leland, have you been doing more or less uh, D&D with the Incorrigible Party? Has that changed at all, or...? Or less or more? Or just oh, same? definitely more stuff. Like, May is jam-packed for Incursion Party recordings and Incursion Party. Um, actually, I guess by the time this airs, it'll, be, this, it'll have long aired. But as of the day we're recording, tomorrow we're Incursion Party is doing a live play of Fiasco on uh, the Game All Night YouTube channel. Uh, so that should be really fun and interesting <laughs> um I, i'm gonna actually have you actually you know what it's too late to plug that shoot that would have been a perfect plug had we known it was coming last month yeah and then we did unfortunately but i mean I could, i'll put a link to it in the show notes for sure i mean i'm sure it'll be a good time i was on a previous one a few weeks ago uh, it was a superhero themed one that was um me and some other uh board game folks and stuff and basically like friends of the hosts and 
Uh, it was it's fun. I don't like being live on camera though. That's for sure. I'm very clearly nervous when I'm on camera. <laughs> I don't know why. As soon as it's on and like I know someone's watching, it just like gets to me. I don't know why. When like on mic uh, anywhere, I'm totally fine. But <laughs> but yeah, I'll put, I'll put a link in the show notes for sure. Yeah, hey, uh, just curious, Braden, have you ever played the Fiasco? No, no, I haven't. It's it's really interesting. It's like a, um, I think we did a special on it as one of our earliest episodes on the T-Hud podcast. Yeah, we did. It's it's like a role-playing game with very few rules. There are a few die rolls, but uh, most right. of it is just acting. And the best way I can put it is it's almost a Ouija board to make a crazy story. Somehow just like a crazy story oh, and cool. crazy characters just evolve. Mm-hmm. And it is so much fun. Uh, it's one of my favorite games I've ever played. Uh, so it's very fun. Yeah. If someone ever says, "Hey, Braden, uh, you know I've got Fiasco. I'm getting a couple buddies. You want to play?" Say yes. That's what I'm okay, telling you. Okay, <laughs> I will. Sounds fun. And it is. Uh, it's incredibly easy to play over Skype or Zoom or something like that too. Oh, as okay, well. cool. Yeah, because because you can download like every. They're called playsets, right? Which is basically the setting. The idea behind it is you're you're making, you're like collectively telling a story and like making this this movie, making a movie basically and that turns out poorly for usually for everybody's character. Hence, hence the name. Ah, cool. And like, there's so many different types of playsets um, that you can download free from uh, Bully Pit's website. They are so good about giving away that stuff. And it's just. It's a really good time. It's nice. very fun. Very easy really to pick cool. up. It doesn't take anybody. Doesn't have. Doesn't have like a, a game master running it. Um, plays up to five people. It's pretty cool. Nice. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I, I feel like my my friends would be really into that. So I'll definitely check it out. Give it. Give it a shot. Um, Braden, you mentioned you were going through the old uh, Sly Cooper games, which is something I want to touch on uh, because mm-hmm. I quickly mentioned. You know, I, I bought this Resident Evil Zero remaster, which I mean, technically, it's an old game that just was remastered. And so my question to both of you, we'll start with Brayden, is are you doing other... Well, I guess GTA Five is retro gaming. I want to ask, you know, are you, do you, are you finding yourself revisiting old games during lockdown? Uh, yeah, I, I'd say, um, I'd say pers- like through my actual personal collection, I'd say I'm revisiting games that I, I have a habit of maybe buying a game and then starting to play it and then a new game comes out or another game I find interesting so I start that one and kind of the other game kind of just goes on the back burner so in that Me too, aspect buddy. I'm kind of Me too. yeah and it's easy to do so in that aspect I'm kind of going through my collection of games and just kind of going one by one beating them and completing them um, before I move on and then um, and then with retro games as well like I'm I'm starting to find that I'm wanting to go back to older games and onto older consoles. And I was even thinking of digging at the PlayStation 2 even and finding some really nostalgic games and kind of playing through those right now as well. Man, PS2, man. PS2, I, I still got one of those things hooked up. In fact, I just, my old bosses randomly donated one to me. I guess it was dropped off at this garden center that i used to work at and they're like oh they're dutch they're like oh hi matt we have a playstation 2 if you want it so i'm like okay sure uh because mine kind of has disc read issues sometimes um even though right. it still kind of works but yeah i mean uh actually it's it's funny you say uh, i'm bringing this up uh years ago for um my birthday i think it was like my 24th birthday 
Leland invited me over to his house. Years ago. Understatement. <laughs> I, I'm dating you, buddy. I'm dating all of us. That was a long ass time ago then. Holy fuck. It was. So so Leland gave me like, you know, just a, a plastic grocery bag and he had tons. He had like a wall of PS2 games. And he said, like, happy birthday, fill this bag. So, mm. you know, I took all his like Silent Hills, Fatal Frames, and stuff like that, because I was really into those games. Bunch of action mm. games, Metal Gear Solid. And um, yeah, eventually his his PS2 broke on me, but I got another one. And uh yeah, so I've been playing through those and there's still some I need to finish, like obscure. Maybe I'll get into that. Oh early. Jesus. <laughs> I do want to make another recommendation. And uh this was one I want in the show notes. So Leland, I'll remind you after. Uh my brother introduced me to a game which is really a website, but you go to the website to play the game. Um it's called scribble.io. So uh you you just put in www s-k-r-i-b-b-l dot i-o and what it is is uh you're each a player on your own screen and you take turns and what you're given is an object or a famous person's name and what you do is you draw on screen that object or person's name like Pictionary you can't use words or anything like that and people have to type in the guess and they've got about I think it's 30 or 45 seconds to guess. And the quicker you guess correctly, you can guess as many times as you want. The quicker you guess correctly, the more points you get. And you just set the amount of rounds you go through. And it's a lot of fun and it's completely free. You just literally go to the website and make a game. That sounds cool. Yeah, that's cool. And and so as far as something that, you know, you can set up in two minutes with your friends and is free. um, That's definitely something I want to throw out there to listener. Uh, because it's like a no-risk, fun game that I definitely can recommend. In fact, I think T-Head should uh, do it at some point. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's funny that now that you say that. I was invited to play that uh, with some people through Twitter DM that I, I promptly ignored the DMs and forgot <laughs> to f- check in to see when that was. <laughs> oh, jeez, man. Sounds like I shouldn't have. <laughs> but... Um, on that uh, route, we'll start with uh, Leland there. Um, Leland, do you have any particular games, even if you're not playing them now, but you played in the past, that you can really recommend for uh, lockdown? Maybe one or two? Well, I mean, yeah, just my brief bit on Minecraft. Like, yeah, I've, Minecraft is weirdly so relaxing. But, I mean, if you're looking for something to eat up a lot of your time, then... There's always Factorio to lean on, because <laughs> I tell you, you can sink hours and hours into Factorio, and I can't believe I have not played any Factorio so far. Since I have since March 25th, since I have been employed, I have not played a single day of Factorio, and I can't believe that I haven't. In fact, just the other day, Ghost Marty messaged me saying, hey, we should start a co-op Factorio. And then, the day after... <laughs> Probably because I didn't respond to that message of his. <laughs> the day after, he said, I've uninstalled Factorial because I cannot get sucked into it. Get away from me, <laughs> Satan. <laughs> exactly. Brayden, uh, if you were to recommend one or two games uh, for mm. people listening, well, one person listening, um, what, would the, what would that be or those be? That's a good question. Um, out of, I don't want to recommend anything that I haven't played, um, but I would recommend... I find that my Zen game right now is Marvel Spider-Man. Like, 
I'm just, it's very like zen, swinging around, climbing buildings. There's like a cinematic approach that you can take with it where you can like make short films and take photos within the game. So that's been a good escape for me right now. And um, it's not like something you have to like really think about or focus on. And then, and then Grand Theft Auto as well. Um, you can just kind of fuck around and shoot shit and blow <laughs> shit up and uh, have fun with your friends or with yourself. And uh, I think it's pretty a, a cool escape right now. I think out of the, out of the, all the stuff I'm playing, I'd say those two are more of the more cut loose games. Um, I'm just curious. Uh, GTA Five is that like subscription based or is that one time you buy it and you play the online? Uh, it's meant to be, um, like a one-time buy thing, but their marketing is so spot on. Like I bought the game for PlayStation three and then I bought it again digitally for PlayStation three and then they remastered it for PlayStation four. So I bought it again and then I bought it again for the fourth time when they came out with like this special deluxe online version. So I've bought the same game like five times in the course of it being out. So there's that um but theoretically you just had to buy it once and you have to have like your uh respected console or pc like subscription for online and that's about it all right leland this is gonna sound this is gonna show my ignorance with minecraft is minecraft free yeah you just gotta you just pay the game there's it's not like a a subscription service or anything though okay okay cool awesome well, there's some uh, there's some recommendations for you, listener. Uh, there's what we've been playing. Um, yeah, wrestle up some friends and co-op away. I guess. What else? What else? What? What else? The fuck do we have to do right now? So. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But uh, let's move on to the other type of entertainment. I'm sure we're watching a lot of right now. It's time for the movie musing segment, titled Hollywood Gone Bye Bye. Uh, because Hollywood's gone bye-bye. You can't go to theaters. And so, of course, th- this was actually the impetus of the episode and why I wanted Braden on again as well, is to just, you know, get his thoughts about Hollywood. And, um, you know, Braden, there's a lot of talk about is Hollywood going to be able to recover and how long is it going to take? Have you heard anything from your contacts? Like, are they absolutely afraid of how long it'll get projects on the go? Or are they like, hey, the moment we can... You know, get back in soundstage. We're good to go, go, go. Um, yeah, I mean, for me personally, working in film and and for from my experience since this whole lockdown, there's like a smart approach that they want to take for sure. Like I know that people are eager to get back to work and start creating things again. And of course, I think very soon we're going to see this huge spike in demand for, for films and um, entertainment because right now I can see like, that's what a lot of us are doing in, in the day is watching films all day and staying indoors, which is good. So we need to do that right now. But I, I just, I know that people are eager to get back. Um, but even when things started getting kind of crazy, but lockdown wasn't official, um, we attended a film festival. This was like the last thing I did before I put myself into self-isolation and um, you could see even then people were taking precautions of wiping things down every 30 minutes and social distancing and six meters apart um, before we even saw like a spike in Canada. So I know like from my knowledge and understanding where I, what I was working on and where I work and where my friends work, the talk seems to be 
we want to get back to work. We're ready to get back to work, but there's a smart way to do it and there's um, a responsible way to do it. And so they need to figure out those guidelines as, as a union and, and as companies. And so I, I from, from the research and what I've heard, I, it seems like they're trying to figure that out and figure what the next steps are moving forward as as everything is so quickly changing and the news is different every day and the protocol is different every day. So it's very hard to, because film is very structured and it takes a lot of prep and time and it's very, very um, prep based, um, a lot of planning. So with, with things changing all the time, it's very, I, I can't imagine for studios right now, it's very hard to kind of grasp a, a definitive answer. But from what I've heard, what I've seen, um, it seems to sum it all up. Yes, people want to get back to work. Yes, they want to get back to work and make these big blockbuster movies, but they want to be responsible and take the smart route of this is what we're doing. So I've heard talks of limited crews and numbers and figuring out that and um, new ways of doing catering and crafty with food and handling that sort of thing. So yeah, I think it's all still up in the air right now, but I know that people are trying to figure it out. Hmm. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting perspective. You know, I, I hate, I would have never thought anything too far in the background, like the catering, but I mean, you're right. Like they have these catering setups and everybody just lines up close. I've seen mm -hmm. it now that you mention it and gets their food. And it's like, you know, that's really close quarters. You know, things I thought about is like, you know, doing, you know, 20 takes on a makeout scene with Eva Green. I mean, I know that's horrible. I do it. If someone put a gun to my head, I do it. But that's very uh, that's very close to someone or even like an action punch, you know, kung fu scene. That's still a lot of touching and stuff like that. It'll be interesting how they they overcome that, you know? Those yeah. Shots. And um I'm, different countries have different protocols in different countries right now are in different situations than other countries and i know i don't i don't know everything going on but i know um my 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 close friend uh who is also the cinematographer of beyond the woods he's from china and he says that a lot of his friends have gone back to working in film and on film production i don't know if they've gone back to a structure that they're more or less used to, or if it, there's a new protocol in place, I don't know, but I know that they have, they are at the point where they are producing things again. So I think it's one of those things where we on the Western side of the world should watch what they're doing and see what works and what doesn't work and kind of take a step back and not rush into things and just take it day by day and eventually get back to being on set. Cause be, everything in film is super close quarters too. Like there's no really getting around that. I think with animation, I feel like we'll see a little bit more animation in, in the next couple months and the next coming and next year as well, because if that that's more remote and you can you can do that from home and from studios and uh, kind of have that social distancing to a T and it's all very remote and visual effects and that kind of thing. But with live action filmmaking specifically, it's very close quarters, no matter what department you're in. So um, yeah, I think it's just taking time and figuring it out and being safe and being smart and responsible. 
Well, we'll hope we'll get back there soon because already a number of releases I was waiting for uh, the new James Bond uh, Top Gun 2, mm. which is the movie I've most been waiting for ever, um, have been delayed. Uh, so, you know, you you get it. But that does want to bring up something I, I looked into for this segment, which is some and it actually was fewer than i thought but some films that were going to get a theatrical release have been uh released on digital access early or like maybe the film run was still on when lockdown hit and they said well, okay let's just release it digitally as well mm. now there's there's some on the list there's only really three uh that i had heard of um some are very small independent uh films uh, Invisible Man, that was the big one. That was the one that was reported on in a number of news sources. And I do want to see that. That was the that was the last film I saw in cinema before the whole lockdown, actually. Ah, just as a side note, would you recommend it? I would. Yeah, it was, uh, as far as remakes go, it was well done and interesting. And it was a nice modern take on a, on a classic film. I'm not always the biggest fan or advocate for remakes because history kind of shows a negative <laughs> uh, outcome on on uh, on remakes but I, I think this one was well done and, and it paid homage to the original um, while making it its own identity at the same time so I, I would recommend it it's a fun movie that's sweet another one I was gonna run by you uh, kind of controversial because apparently the plot isn't exactly what it seems at first but it's called the hunt. Okay, I haven't I haven't seen it. So apparently the hunt is about it's a fantasy I think where liberals like political liberals have rounded up the conservatives and they throw them all on an island and hunt them to the death. Mm-hmm. Like like man hunting. So I guess uh conservative uh people um like uh, very conservative people would say, "Oh, we don't want this released," which is ironic because conservatives nowadays like to market themselves as uh, the people of free speech, but they tried to block the hunt and uh, uh, anyways, they so they went with a digital release for it. Um, def- definitely something I'm going to watch because that's an interesting premise. And apparently people are like, we're not going to spoil it, but the plot isn't what you think it is. I think I heard that. I think I heard that too. Uh, there's a movie called Onward, which I hadn't really heard of, but it was oh, one of the other yeah. more major releases um, that's out there. Such a good film. Oh, it is good. Okay. So recommendation. Yeah, like I, I wanted to just personally, I wanted to um, see it um, as a as a moviegoer when it, the trailers first came out. And then I just didn't have time to go see it. And then the lockdown happened and it got pulled from theaters. But then it was on Disney Plus all of a sudden. So it, and my brother like called me and said, hey, you got to watch this movie. It totally reminded me of you. And I was <laughs> like, OK. And so I watched it that night and like. Maybe it's because of the brother's story that's within it that made me really connect with that film. But I loved it, and I think it's like one of my favorite Pixar films ever. Nice. Um, I know that's a bold statement to make, but <laughs> yeah, I've heard good things about it too. Yeah, people are saying like it's as close to like a D and D movie as yeah we'll ever get. Yeah, every everything about it was just great. Yeah, 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 yeah. or or like giving people hope for. A good D and D movie, possibly in the future, kind of thing, yeah. right? Like, yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool. I definitely would be interested in seeing it myself, but like, I'm not getting Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just got Netflix again, so 
Yeah, exactly. He's about to take baby steps. Yeah. <laughs> he's sad until he rages that, then he gets craved, then he gets Hulu, then he gets <laughs> Super Channel. You know, he just rotates around. I mean, uh, I'll get Disney Plus when there's content to support support it. So Touche. The last one on that list I wanted to bring up, which is is actually probably the most interesting to discuss, Trolls World Tour. And so mm. that movie is killing it on digital release. It had it got, I think, a hundred million dollars, and I believe it was five days it earned just through rentals, which was more than the original Trolls five month run in theaters. <laughs> and, yeah, I read that too. And so all it's crazy. It, it is crazy. And so all of a sudden, like uh the chief AMC of, read that too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> AMC cuz you're 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 hinting at what I'm going to bring up which yeah. is uh that uh I should have written down his name but that studio owner's like well now we're going to do more digital releases and AMC's like no you don't call the lawyers you know because they're they're worried about um the theaters of course are worried about th- that would be the holy grail of killing them is yeah digital first run at the same time as a theater. So yeah, I, I totally get it. And, um, you know, my stance on that is that this digital release is fine in this very unprecedented situation of quarantine, but once it's over, you got to go back to theaters. Braden, your thoughts on that? I understand the convenience of digital release, especially right now. And as an independent filmmaker, uh, Digital distribution is something I'm really seeking because um, the realistic situation that I have, there's most likely there won't be a theatrical run for my first feature film. Like it's most likely going to be digital distribution. So I understand the convenience of that. And I like the aspect of opportunity it has to give to other filmmakers. Um, And I'm, I'm a movie goer as well. Like I, I, I'm, on my couch now more than ever too watching Netflix and Disney plus and all the VOD platforms. But as a filmmaker and as a movie goer as well, I love the cinema and I love going to the cinema. And I honestly would, I, my average was going like one or two times a week and I, I would go all the time and I don't want to see that kind of go away or disappear. And I think, and I think it's a crucial and important experience like it's an experience it's not it's 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 something you can't really mimic or kind of alter it's it's going to the cinema and there's just some something magical about it and i and i think christopher nolan i know is a huge advocate for um movie theaters and he's one of my favorite filmmakers and he said it best where it's like as a filmmaker the movie theater is kind of the finished finishing touch on your film like your film's not finished until it goes into a theater and an audience is able to watch it so i'm hoping movie theaters recover from this and i'm a huge advocate and for that and i i think like i said there's the magic can't be replaced so i see it now as a a digital as being a benefit like we don't have a choice to kind of go out and and staying home is super important right now so Yes, for that. But once this is over, I think I'm going to be spending a lot of my time in a movie theater again, hopefully. Yeah, I I will be, too, because, you know, I I want them to survive. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's funny because well, I shouldn't say funny, but um, it's sad that, uh, 
digital access actually killed video rental stores, which honestly, I love to just go there when I was younger and just browse and look at snacks and like talk, talk to the kids that work there because they were often passionate about film and get their recommendations. Right. And we've lost that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I, again, I'm in agreement, digital distribution solely right now, but let's get the theaters going and let's attend. Let's go to the theater once they get up and running again. Yeah. And I think it's important too, to like, here in here in Canada, like Cineplex and, and AMC are the big branches, but there's also like a lot of independent theaters here too that my film has had the opportunity to play at and without those theaters I wouldn't have those opportunities or other independent filmmakers or any storyteller won't have those opportunities. So I think supporting local and independent theaters at this time too, once restrictions are kind of lifted a bit, then I think that's also important. Actually, that's a really good point, and I'm glad you brought that up. Um, just even thinking like the Rio Theater, which is the big mm-hmm. kind of local one um, that's had issues surviving. So, uh, yeah, Leela, now you're not the world's biggest movie theater guy. <laughs> I almost expect your answer. But are are you going to make an effort to go to the theater a little bit more once theaters reopen, or do you just not give a shit? I don't give a shit. Uh, it de- <laughs> it depends care. in it depends in the circumstances. Quite honestly, I mean, it depends in you know there there are lots of theaters um, that are trying to make workarounds. A lot of theaters have turned themselves into like drive-ins, so you could come in and just park in your car and not have to worry about it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's talks about uh, blocking off enough seats where people can maintain social distancing, sitting in the theater and 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 mediating. Uh, traffic in and out of the theaters before and after shows, which was result in you know longer time between showings, uh, maybe more ads for the previews as pe- more and more giving more time for people to filter in, et cetera, et cetera. But like I, I certainly would not go into a theater under any of those restrictions. I mean, a lot of theater goes are also looking towards also looking towards uh, governments to to for for guidance too on a lot of these restrictions. Um, and I think that's where that it's, that's where it needs to come from if it's if it is going to come and if that is a possibility, obviously. Um, but like I wouldn't go back to a theater until there's um, a vaccine for a coronavirus. Like why? Why? I mean, and I'm arguably in, in like the the least risk, lo, like the lowest risk demographic for this virus too. Like, I've, but I don't. <laughs> I wouldn't go back to a theater until this is completely all just done. And but like I don't go to theaters any now anyways. Like we never go see movies anymore. So this isn't really impacting me all that much. Currently. Yeah, I mean we never went together we rarely go together anymore. Um I think me making you do D box once turned you off movies for the rest of the time. That was kind of the dividing marker. <laughs> uh, but uh What movie did you see in D box? Uh Alien what was it? It the the sequel to Prometheus. Alien re- um, No, I didn't see that with you. The, you and I saw It Chapter 1 oh, in D-Box. Oh, that's right. Uh, and I turned the D-Box off for that movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking stupid and useless. I've never used D-Box. <laughs> it's the stupidest thing in the fucking world. I, I, it's a waste of fucking money. It's, it's the dumbest gimmick ever. It's fun. So stupid. The, the alien no, 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 no. Your movie can be too. immersive enough where I don't need my seat to fucking move to make me enjoy it. Fucking make your movies like that. Don't rely on this bullshit because you know that eventually the reliance becomes on that. Okay. I, I, yeah, I get it. And it was way worse than Alien because it 
would start to shake your seat before a like horror scene <laughs> happens. You're like, oh, I guess I know what's coming now. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, oh, yeah. I guess. I mean, we've had the conversation before, like. I wonder, like, you know, the job that it is to program the D-Box movement to these movies. That would actually be a pretty cool job, I will certainly admit. Like, that would, I think that would be fun to, like, map that stuff out and, like, you know, almost, like, orchestrate this movie. Like, you're just, like this conductor with this vibrating chair <laughs> able to, like, put on this performance for these movies. I mean, I think that's a cool job. I don't really know what that job looks like or how many people have that job. I don't know, but... You know what, Leland? Leland, had you been in D-Box sitting through the six-minute fight scene and they live, you would have come around. <laughs> I oh, will wow. not I mean, put that's on a story. glasses. They don't, they don't make movies like they live anymore. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I, I agree with both of you, though, that uh, theaters should not. I hope theaters don't die. I mean, that's, that's, that's bonkers, right? Like, they can't. That's such an integral part of the movie industry. Yeah. And yeah, fully on board with supporting, uh, like the independent theaters as well. Absolutely, but like when we go, when I go see a movie, like I go to Cineplex. So like I'm not even supporting the, those independents now, which is arguably, if I get, if I cared, then I would, I could, I could, I should have been making different choices this entire time. And yeah, this crisis and this pandemic is going, it, it does turn everything on its head, and it's going to make a lot of people look at a lot of things differently. And maybe finally give them a kick in the ass to make some positive changes that they arguably should have made years and years ago. Right. You know, yeah. even on more of a, a global scale uh, in a lot of areas as well. And I think that's going to be about the only interesting thing about this pandemic after it's, you know, fingers crossed, solved in a timely fashion. Just seeing this, this, these, these ripple effects, but. I don't know, make more effort to going to see movies. It's still like, I think I think the reason that I don't go to theaters as much is um, a lack of a real draw to a lot of big blockbuster hits. Right. Really. I don't think, um, I can't remember the, I can't remember the last movie that I saw a trailer for and thought, I really need to see that in theaters. I just can't recall. I don't, I don't know. Do either of you recall ever having that thought lately? Oh, yeah, I mean <laughs> Top Gun two, and that's not well, just because that's a stupid. No, 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 no. That's, that's not franchise. just because you know so... it's a sequel to my favorite movie of all time. It's because it's a movie about jets, like and jet battles, and Tom Cruise actually flying in his own propeller plane. I don't know if he flies the jet, but it's a spectacle. It's a spectacle I want to see with you know a big screen and hear big sound. Okay, mm. I mean that makes sense, right? And that's a big draw to it. Yeah. Right. But there are a lot of movies, though, that don't, for, for as far as enhancing uh, viewer, viewership of the movie, like, why, they don't need theatrical releases. I mean, how many times have you gone and seen a movie, walk out of the theater, and like, I did not need to see that in the theater. So if you can make uh, digital distribution somewhat of, a, like, on par with a theatrical release as far as uh, being able to garner and generate the success for those movies maybe it's a maybe we need that as a better viable alternative for some of these movies yeah yeah i agree with that yeah because you see movies that are made like go straight to or back in the day i guess they would were like straight to dvd or straight to tv and like those films you don't really need to see in a theater or like yeah you do see a film 
in the theater and you're like, oh, I could have waited to see that on Netflix on, on a Sunday or something, you know? And <laughs> right. So yeah. there, I think there's a, there's a platform for those kind of films that are more for the experience and like this would be so much better in the cinema as opposed to those films that you're like, yeah, I can watch this on a rainy day uh, in my living room. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, what's a good example of that actually, because, uh, is the Irishman because Martin Scorsese, was looking for a studio to do a theatrical release for forever and he couldn't find one because you know he wanted to do a four-hour movie and nobody you know studios hate a four-hour movie that's gonna you know they because then in two blocks of two hours they could show a movie twice or they could show one movie in a four-hour block so um, you know, they didn't, no studio would bite on that Netflix bit on the Irishman but there was something about it like it didn't have enough big violent scenes that i would need the movie theater at all it was very much a drama but i liked watching it in my apartment with nobody bugging me in like a really good pair of headphones on right. right like what i'm getting at is for that particular movie i would rather watch it as i did than in a theater because you know, unless you pay like 25 bucks to go to the 19 plus adults only theater, you know, you get a bunch of obnoxious teenagers for the most part in every movie nowadays, which sucks. It wouldn't, mm -hmm. it wouldn't stop me from going because like Braden, I want to support theaters, but it's certainly for like a drama without a lot of action. Yeah. You know, I, I think it was a blessing in disguise for Martin Scorsese. Hmm. See, I don't want to support theaters. I want to support filmmakers. And mm. theaters are just that the, the best avenue that people have to do so. Right. So if there's an alternative that can equally or potentially support those filmmakers more in a better way, then I'm all, all on board for that. That's basically that's that's where my where that's my opinion. That's where I would gravitate towards. You know what would be awesome? And this may already exist or being planned would be a streaming service or a service with a similar interface where you could buy independent films. That's all that was on there, like Braden's Beyond the Woods. I would love browsing that. That would be very, very cool. Absolutely. I think the, I think the closest thing uh, in mainstream would be Amazon. Amazon has a huge database of independent films as opposed to like Netflix or... Uh, another platform in that nature uh, i find that amazon prime video has like a way more wide variety of independent films and i think if you just like go to their independent category you could really see their library is there the possibility of you maybe getting beyond the woods on amazon or is that really difficult or uh, I would love to. Um, Netflix or Amazon or a big VOD platform is definitely my my final goal for Beyond the Woods. So, um, yeah, I'd love to. That's awesome. Good luck to that. We uh, Leland and I know we're the biggest part of your PR. So whatever we can do here in the media <laughs> or the media now, Leland, will will promote you. Um, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I I give a link of every release episode to to Bezos. Uh, the day it drops anyway so <laughs> yeah. don't worry you, you're in gold thank you thanks. well do you think Braden, that this you know this will change uh the way that some of these these vod services look at and choose as far as maybe broadening the criteria for some of their choices 
for more independent uh, filmmakers such as yourself because just just to be able to help out in general like would you think i guess what i'm really asking is do you think that these services have or feel any type of uh allegiancy or you know for lack of a better term duty to help prop up the industry in which they are profiting from as well i hope so i from from my knowledge and understanding and what i've heard from from people uh within like other filmmakers and stuff is i Amazon Prime again like their video platform I know that they really support independent filmmaking and have a wide range of what they what they accept because they want to give um the independent uh, artists uh, a platform so in that sense um right at the bat that that would be an example that I I would think of and I'm hoping like that Netflix Netflix is very close-ended like they're very private in what they what their process is and how how they select things and incredibly tight-lipped about yeah but they don't really i don't know it's very close-ended on their end so i'm hoping that we see a lot more independent films on more mainstream platforms and because of this um situation i hope there's that silver lining and i i do see even like when i'm scrolling through my my vod platforms now way more way more options to to watch and mm. um and, mm-hmm. and and throughout those is is more independent films so i think we're leaning towards that way maybe it's because right now that's that's all they have to pull from um but maybe they'll they'll stick with it after everything settles down um so hopefully that that's the case yeah you know that i mean that honestly doesn't surprise me to hear about amazon like amazon historically uh, is that platform to go to? I mean, even you think of, um, you know, self-publishing books, right? Like, like yeah. authors and, um, I've been dabbling in some, uh, audiobook narration through ACX. So they, I think they have, have historically supported, you know, these independent content creators and I guess they make money off of it and it's viable for them to do so. Or it's that they have, enough income generation from everything that Amazon is a part of and or owns, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like audible and that shit. Like, I don't know what, I don't know what it is or, or why they choose to be this kind of seemingly this kind of standout as far as that goes. I don't, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. And, and, and of course there's the business side of things all the time with film and, and contracts are a big part of it. And when you do distribution and everything and, uh, I know with all everyone I know who has their film on Amazon or has gone to gone to Amazon, always, always, always the contract says that there will be some sort of revenue for them as well uh, for the filmmaker. Um, and I know a lot of the time through different companies and other things like that, that might not always be the case. It might just be a buyout or we won't even give you money, maybe like I, I don't know for sure, but I just know. That it's not always that um, that uh, that opportunity available. So, uh, and then I know that Amazon kind of stresses that in their in their contracts that yeah you will make money, but it's also dependent on the success of your film on our platform kind of situation as well. So then, in that in that uh, from that point of view, then this additional saturation of more independent films could be a, a bad thing for those already on the platform 
Yeah, so yeah, you become a little uh, maybe lost in the crowd if if you're not into the algorithm of recommended films or something. Right. Um, and because there's this huge wave of, of new films, then it, it might put yours under the radar unless you're really pushing it and getting people to talk about it. Word of mouth is always great, so. Absolutely. Everything boils down to being a slave to an algorithm these days, honestly. Yeah, even YouTube, like simple YouTube videos. Oh, if, fuck. If you're YouTube's not, terrible for that shit. If you're not in the algorithm. You, you screw up one thing and you get buried, then you're buried yeah, forever. Yeah, you're like, just done. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's brutal. Leland, as we know, when we take these episodes with Factorio, everybody suddenly listens. We get yeah. more hits. There yeah. you go. We do, we do the cooking <laughs> episode, Take It Factorio. 200 hits. <laughs> Thank God I mentioned Factorio in this episode. <laughs> That's right. So, so how are you Factorioing? Factorio, Factorio? Factorio, Factorio. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, th- I think that about wraps it up pretty much, unless anybody else has got any points. That was a really good uh, uh, discussion there. So uh, right before yeah. Leland does his end of show stuff, um, Braden, once again, I want to thank you for uh, reaching out and then uh, – Joining us and Braden, do you have social media website where anyone can follow you? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, on Facebook and Instagram at Braden D Purdy, and Beyond the Woods is on Instagram at Beyond the Woods Film, and also on Facebook at Beyond the Woods Film. That's awesome, and hopefully digital distribution, you know, near you soon. So, hopefully, and if it yeah. is, we'll be the first to uh, let our listener know. So, thank you, thank you. Absolutely. That's awesome, Braden. Definitely keep in touch, okay? So we won't make it as long as last time uh, to to keep in touch. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Leland, end, end of show. End of show stuff. Uh, our website is ttpopcast.com, where you f- will find our show notes, where you'll find all of those social links uh, for, for Braden and his film uh, in our show notes for this episode. Uh, we have additional written content on our site, which uh, I swear new stuff will be added <laughs> imminently <laughs> I, i've half written something i just have to finish it it's two oh, weeks old I'm hey half halfway there something. he's busy selling turnips you know <laughs> <laughs> so true <laughs> um we are the tea podcast on facebook but we does a great job of maintaining that page uh tt podcast on instagram i'm on twitter uh at leland underscore steel um and that's who i've been all right time to say goodbye take care listener thanks listener Bye-bye. Bye-bye.